Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Open up your Bibles to the book of Proverbs and put a little place marker in chapter 7 and then um, find Matthew chapter 7 as well. If you're looking for it online, I was uh, snoozing last night, so instead of working and putting it together on version, I forgot to do that. So if you're looking for that, don't uh, look any further. Uh, your pastor let you down. I was busy listening to Jermaine sing. Well, I want to say this. Church, I am so proud of you. I have been hearing from many of you that have um, taken this concept of 40 days into the word to heart. And where you have uh, been getting into the word. Where you have been seeing the results in your lives when you um, invest time and when you take those principles that God has ordained and you put those and apply those into your life. And so here's what I would encourage you is keep at it. Uh, you know, even when we get beyond this 40 days, continue. Because one thing about God's word is it's timeless. You know, it doesn't have an expiration date. Um, it is as relevant today as the day that the men uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit to pen it. And so you'll find out the more that you apply it into your life, the more relevant, the more real, and the more fresh that it is. So here we are in week five, and the title of this week is Personalize It. And so each week there has been a, um, a type of um, Bible meditation study method, and this week's method is called Personalize It. And so uh, to kick us off, I'm going to read a verse out of Proverbs chapter 7 to you. And uh, it's verse, actually verse 2 and 3. So let me go ahead and read that. It says, Obey me and live. Guard my words as your most precious possession. Write them down also. Keep them deep within your heart. And you know, as you look at that word deep there, and I put a little emphasis on it, um, that is a great word to describe the personalize it method of Bible study. So to, to do this justice, one of the things I want to introduce you to is the concept of surface beliefs versus deeply held beliefs. Now, um, when I talk about surface beliefs, these are beliefs that you can take it or leave it. I mean, how's the weather uh, this week? Some of you, uh, take it or leave it. I don't care it's going to get 13 degrees. You know, not a problem. Um, I don't care if it's going to snow. Um, Others, maybe not so much, you, you know, you'd like to just leave it um, and get back to June or July uh, when the temperatures uh, stay above 70 or 80. Um, and then there's the concept of deeply held beliefs. Deeply held beliefs are something we use in a church terminology as convictions or our core values. These are the rules that we live by on a daily basis. Now, uh, typically, when I talk about deeply held beliefs, I'll bring up one of three topics, race, religion, or politics. 
But this morning, I'm not going to touch any of those three. And instead, I'm going to stay in safe zone. And I'm going to talk about sports. You see, you see, because when it comes to sports, there are people who have surface beliefs about their favorite team, and there are people who have deeply held beliefs about their favorite teams. You know, for example, if you have ever met a Cowboys fan, they are probably fall into the category of deeply held beliefs. Cowboys fans, I've seen them get ready for the Sunday afternoon game. They got this hat that's like, you know... Uh, 50-gallon hat, and they wear uh, spurs, they put on chaps. I mean, they get ready for a football game, and they're not even leaving their house. <laughs> on the other hand, there's another team uh, called the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> Green Bay Packers, the, the fans of these, I mean, they take this block of cheese and stick it on their head. And they're not embarrassed, folks. They're proud. They're like, I'm Green Bay fan. All right? See, see, that's what I refer to when I talk about deeply held beliefs. Well, let, let me give you another illustration, one that's uh, relevant to me. I've got a friend. His name's Troy. And Troy is a Kentucky Wildcat fan. And he's a deeply held belief fan. Now, um, not the football team, but the basketball team. And so um, there are some people who, if you ask them, are you a Cardinal fan? Are you a Cubs fan? They're like, yeah, I'm a Cardinals fan. Do, do we still have a team? Or they'll say, I'm a Cubs fan, and, you know, but you know what? They're surface belief fans. You know, they don't even know what the record is. They don't know when the playoffs start, and they don't know when their team got eliminated. And, and you know what? They're happy with that, and there's nothing wrong with being that, all right? But then there's those deeply held belief fans. You know, there, there's, there's Cardinals fans that won't go to lunch with Cubs fans. And, and there's Cubs fans that won't go to lunch with Cardinals fans. So I don't want to touch on that because I know that might be a touchy, delicate subject here. So, so let me tell you about my friend Troy. Troy loves the Kentucky Wildcat basketball team. And he, you know, he tells me that when Kentucky is playing it normally, on a normal season, Kentucky will probably be in the top 10 for sure, but usually the top four or five teams in the nation on a regular basis. And he says, without fail, when Kentucky is playing a basketball game and they get behind by 15 or 20 points, his phone starts blowing up because he starts getting all these encouraging texts from his friends. No, they're not encouraging texts. They're texts like, hey, uh, is Kentucky playing today? Hey, what happened to Kentucky? Hey, and, and all of them are just trying to dig. And, and, and what he says, they don't understand how much I love Kentucky. And, and they don't. If you've ever watched him, matter of fact, he says, I can't watch Kentucky play with anyone else. Like, I got to be all by myself, just my family, just Kentucky Wildcat fans. Because, you know, he takes this seriously well let me tell you something that it's not just sports that we have surface beliefs and we have deeply held beliefs you know when the bible told us in that verse it says to write them deeply on your heart it meant that so what god wants is he doesn't want us to look at his word and have just a surface belief a take it or leave it he wants us to have deeply held beliefs, convictions, 
core values based on what he wrote, based on what he gave to us. And so one of the ways that we can take God's word and apply it deeply to our heart is by memorizing scripture. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to give you a couple of pointers of why it's important that we memorize scripture. Well, the first reason is probably really obvious, and that is it helps us to resist temptation. You know, um, I don't want you to raise your hand, but I would bet if I asked who in here struggles with some kind of a sin, most of us would raise our hand. And God says this. Matter of fact, it's one of the verses that we memorized that if we hide God's word in our heart, it will help us to not sin. But see, the problem is that many of us are hiding God's word in our heart, but we hide it at the surface level. We don't hide it deeply. We don't write it on the tables of our heart as the scripture tells us. And because of that, we have a hard time resisting temptation. Well, another thing that memorization does for us is it helps us to make wise decisions. You know, it's interesting that I I use Proverbs a lot. Matter of fact, I'll use one today written by what the Bible tells us was the smartest man ever to walk on the planet Earth. But what's interesting is that the one who inspired every author of these books was the creator of the universe. He knows everything that we know, and he knows everything that we've never heard of. I don't know if anyone's ever told you this, but when they describe heaven, they said, your mind cannot even conceive what heaven is going to be like. That's who gave us these instructions. So when you want to make wiser decisions, go to that source. Hide those words deep in your heart. And the way that is easy to do is through memorizing scripture. Another thing that memorizing scripture does for us is it strengthens us when we're under stress. Now, um, I'm confident. How many people have experienced stress in the last week? Yeah. You know, this is a regular day occurrence. In 2019, if you're not stressed, you might not be alive. If you want to get stronger and be able to handle the stress that life throws at us, go to the creator of life. Go to the person who ordained all life. Because he's got this figured out. And he's got some instructions for you. Another reason why we should memorize scripture is that it helps comfort us. When we're sad. You know, sadness is a natural emotion. It's not a sin for you to be sad. But what the Bible promises to us is that when we experience that sadness, that God has an answer for that. You know, uh, bad things happen in our lives. Just this week, uh, lost an uncle. That's a reality. But what's interesting is I got to listen to his children. I got to hear his wife Take that sadness and turn around because they know that he's in a better place. For me, it was a celebration because I know that today he's with his brother, my father. Not only does memorizing scripture help in those areas, but it helps us become a better witness to unbelievers. You know, if you don't read the word, don't be surprised if you never share it with anybody. If you don't hide God's word deep in your heart, it probably won't be one of the first things that comes to mind when the wheels of life fall off. 
And what's really incredible is that God will bring things into your life and then he'll bring people into your life that you get to share with them how God helped you through his word and how it can help them as well. You know, but sometimes that's easier said than done. So how do we go about memorizing? Let me just give you a couple of quick tips on how to memorize scripture. So last week, I, um, I boldly went where no preacher should go, and I tried to quote an entire chapter of the Bible to you all. All right, I took my glasses off. I let you all see the words. And there was a couple of points where it's funny. When you practice at home, it's a lot different than when you're looking at 100 people. So um, let me give you some of the pointers that, that helped me memorize Scripture. Number one, you got to pick a verse. Now, I, I, I picked a chapter. You, you don't have to pick a chapter. Just pick one verse. And then when you're ready to start memorizing it, what you'll do is you'll say the reference of that verse before and after you do the verse. Why? What that does is that gives your mind an anchor point to hold on to. And now it's going to take some data and, and connect it to this anchor point. And so here's what I did. All week long, I read the verses aloud many times. And when I say many times, hundreds, maybe even a thousand times, I went through James chapter 1. But see, that's what it takes to hide it down deep in our heart. And then here's what I've learned is that as I start to memorize, I will emphasize different keywords. So like when I think about um, James, and I remember the, in the one verse that says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Boy, you know what? Wisdom is one of those things I'd love to have a lot of. And so every time I read that verse, God, that's me. I lack wisdom. It says, let him ask of God. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. And so as you're memorizing your verse, what you want to do is you want to um, find those key words that you can emphasize. And, and then as I broke up this chapter, you can do this on verses, but I broke it up into di natural different sections. You know, at the beginning it was the greeting from James. And then it was if you lack anything, it goes into asking for wisdom. And then um, as it got into the later verses, it talked about being a doer of the word and not a hearer only. And so there's about seven different sections in James chapter 1. And so instead of me memorizing 27 different verses, I memorized seven different sections. And then as long as I could tie something at the end of one section to the beginning of the other section, it made it a whole lot easier. Having you out there looking at the words helped me as well. Made it a whole lot easier. And then the last point I would tell you is this, that when you memorize God's word, memorize it word perfect. You know, um, sometimes it's a challenge. There are so many different versions, and, and you've just got to pick one, and that's what you're going to memorize. For me, uh, when I quote scripture, you'll probably always hear me quoting the King James Version. It's not because it's a better version. It's because I've got thousands of verses hid deep in my heart. And so it's easy for me to go to the King James Version and start quoting verses left and right. Amen. So what's important for you is that you hide God's word in your heart. Well, let me introduce you guys to the memory verse for week number five. And it's this, Matthew chapter seven, verse 24. 
I'm going to read this to you one time and then talk a little bit about it. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, I've been giving you some quotes and statistics. And so when it says, therefore, everyone who hears, if all you do is hear God's word, how much are you going to retain? 10%. All right, some of y'all have been listening. Thank you. All right, and then it says everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, if you put it into practice, how much are you going to retain? That's right, 80%. Sometimes that gets as high as 90%. When I look at this, you can see where I put the emphasis, and that was and puts them into practice. You see, it's not enough for us just to learn God's word. It's not enough for us just to memorize it. Why? Because that's that surface level. It's when we put it into practice that we hide it deep in our heart. When we put it into practice, what we find out is that it becomes a part of our lives. Now, one of the things that I would tell you, whenever you memorize scripture, you need to understand the context with which it is said. And so here's Jesus is speaking. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, I'm not going to read it, but if you follow on in another couple of verses in chapter 7 of Matthew, Jesus is, introduces them to another guy. This guy is the person who hears the words, but does not put them into their lives. And Jesus said, they're not a wise person, they're foolish. And they're like somebody who would build their house and put it on sand. And the reality, this is the harsh reality, folks, that many of us, many who come into church every Sunday, many who claim the name of Christ, who consider themselves a Christ follower, Hear God's word and yet fail to put them into practice. And God says we're foolish. Let me just share with you some very relevant, practical examples of men who claim the name of Christ who have not put the words into practice and have been revealed to be foolish. One of those men, his name is John Christ. Just this week, very famous, a Christian comedian, somebody that I love. This is somebody who is very bold in his faith. And you can read the article there. The title of it is Christian Comedian John Christ Cancels Tour After Woman Alleges Sexual Misconduct. Now, what you don't know just reading that is that that alleged sexual misconduct had been happening in over seven years. If you're like me, you ask, how could this be possible? And the reality is... That there's many of us who have been naming the name of Christ for the last 27 years. And thank God that we don't have the platform that John Christ has. Because we would be experiencing that same public embarrassment. Because we have never put God's word into practice. You see, putting God's word into practice means much more than just coming to church on a Sunday. It means much more than just greeting each other with a holy kiss means much more than just saying hallelujah and praise the Lord in other words that sound religious to us. Well, it wasn't just John Chris that I learned about this week. 
There's a gentleman, his name is Dr. Wes Felter. You probably never heard of this guy. But he is, uh, was the leading candidate for the First Baptist Church lead pastor position in Clarksville, Tennessee. Just this past week, I uh, had the opportunity to be in Clarksville and speak at one of the schools there. And so I've been in this church a couple of dozen times. And here's a man who 17 years ago, based on the testimony of two young women... Talk about things that a pastor on staff shouldn't do. And for 17 years, many people have not heard about this, didn't want to hear about this. And so I'm, I'm going to meddle a little bit, and I just want to tell you, if you go to our church's website, it boldly proclaims that we are not a perfect church. If you're looking for a perfect church, Temple Baptist is not that. Your pastor isn't perfect. Now, I was joking this morning in pastor's breakfast, and I said, and it only gets worse from there. But, but that's not true. I, I know that. I'm just here to tell you that I'm not perfect. It's but by the grace of God that I'm even able to be up here and to proclaim his word. It's not because of the life I've lived. It's not because of the, the words that I bring to you. It's because of the grace of Jesus Christ that I'm able to come up and open up God's word and share with you. Unfortunately, sometimes in the church and sometimes in Southern Baptist churches, we circle the wagons when somebody is caught in sin. And friends, I'm telling you that that is wrong. That is an abomination in the sight of God. Folks, the world looks at us as hypocrites because of stories like these two right here. Now, folks, I have no ill will towards John Christ. I love this man. I have no ill will towards Dr. Wes Feltner. I believe that he has been faithful in, in ministry. But I'm here to tell you that when the world sees stories like this, and folks, they don't need to see it on the newspaper. You know why? Because they live next door to us. And they see us leave on Sunday morning dressed for church, carrying our Bible, and they see us yelling at each other on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. They see when the police get called. They see our lives. And unfortunately, our lives don't match what God's word says. And when that happens, I, they will tell you, I don't want that. Why would I give up the fun stuff if I'm not going to be any different? on the other side so what's the answer how do we not fall like John Chris did how do we not have the problems like Dr. Wes Feltner has right now you remember in James 1 there was a couple verses that said let no man say when he is tempted I am tempted of God for God cannot be tempted with evil neither tempteth he any man now, today's topic is personalize it. So let me just take those words and personalize them. Let no man say, I am tempted of that woman. I am tempted because of what came on the computer screen. I am tempted because of what I thought about that lady who was walking down the street. Why? 
what James says is this, that every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. The question that we all have to answer is this. Are we building our lives on the rock of God's word? Or are we building our lives on the sand of moral uncertainty? Because if we're building our lives on sand, one day... It's going to catch up to us. Matter of fact, if uh, we go to Proverbs chapter 7, and I read those uh, first two verses to you, but now I want to read two other verses. Verse 5. What is the whole purpose that Proverbs was written by Solomon to his sons? He was trying to help his sons. And what he said was, take these words and hide them deep within your heart. Why? Verse 5. To keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress, with her smooth words. And then if you jump down to verse 26, it says this. For many a victim has she laid low, all her slain are a mighty throng. You know, John Chris didn't think this was going to happen. Wes Felter didn't think this was going to happen. Bill Hybers didn't think that this was going to happen. But folks, we could fill page after page of the story of men of God. Men who have stood in the pulpit and proclaimed God's faithfulness, proclaimed God's word, and have fallen. The man who wrote those words in Proverbs, Solomon himself, didn't even listen to his own advice. So let me just share two verses with you today that I want to help you personalize. And the first verse is maybe the most uh, popular verse in the world, and it's John 3.16. And so what I've done here is I've put some blanks in there, and, and as I do this, I'm going to put my name in there. For God so loved Ronnie Tabor. You know, that just kind of sounds good. Doesn't it sound good when you see your name? Yes, it does. That he gave his one and only son, that if Ronnie Tabor believes in him, Ronnie shall not perish, but have eternal life. My friends, if you're here today and you've never personalized that verse, I encourage you to do it. And before you leave this morning, come see me and share that with me. Allow me to share that with the congregation. There is no graver choice that you have in front of you than to accept the words of God. There's a reason why John 3.16 is so popular. Because all of us want what it promises. But there's only one way to receive what it promises, and that is to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That he was born of a virgin. That he lived a sinless life. And that he died on the cross for my sins. And when I do that, the Bible says that I shall not perish. Put your name in there, and if you believe in Jesus and what he did on the cross, the Bible says that you shall not perish. There's another verse I want to share with you out of Philippians. 
chapter 1 and verse 6. Again, I'm going to personalize this. He who began a good work in Ronnie Tabor will carry it on to the completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And I'm here to share with you, if, if you walked in this morning and you had already taken John 3.16 and you've applied it to your life, I'm here to tell you that God has started a work in you and he will complete it. You see, God's word is true. God's word was true when Solomon penned it, and God's word was true when Solomon lived in a lifestyle that wasn't in accordance with it. God's word is true every day. It was true yesterday. It's true today, and I'm here to tell you that tomorrow it will still be true. But you've got to understand this, that God's word doesn't protect us unless we personalize it. Unless we live it. Let me say it this way. Spiritual success today does not guarantee spiritual success tomorrow. The very Solomon knew what spiritual success was like. When God came to him and said, you can have anything, what did he ask for? Wisdom. And the Bible says that he was the smartest man to walk on this earth. And yet that same guy who who chose the, the most precious of commodities... Later on in his life, after he penned those words to avoid, he didn't avoid it. I want to share something with you, men, that it's not the woman. That it's not a real woman that they're talking about in Proverbs 7. You know, because it, it talks about the harlot and, And Solomon says, I looked out my window and I behold this young guy and he was walking and this woman came up to him. And it's so easy for us to get mad at the woman. How dare her tempt him? We know better because James 1 says that that young man is not tempted because of that young woman. He's tempted because of his own heart. Today, 2019, men were not tempted because of women. Men, we're not tempted because of what's on the internet. Men, we are not tempted for what our eyes see. We are tempted for what's in our heart. You see, because each of us is a soul. And sin happens at the soul level. This body one day will fall off. It will, it will perish. It will dissolve back into the dust of the ground. But the soul will live eternally. And the question is, will that soul live in heaven? Or will it spend an eternity separated from God in hell? The choice is ours. All of the decisions have been made up to the point where we make the final decision. Worship team, if you'll come up and get ready to play the uh, invitation closing. Church, I just want to share a couple things with you. As you look at those words up there, it says, love the word, learn the word. But my friends... That's not enough. It's not enough for us just to love God's word. It's not enough just for us to learn God's word. If we don't take that final step and live God's word, we are like the man who's building his house on sand. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to continue with you on that journey. 
to find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.